Welcome to Leadership Lessons. I'm Todd Gray, the Executive Director for the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Leadership Lessons is a program where we talk to faithful leaders who are making an impact for the gospel. My guest today is one of those leaders whose life is making a difference and is being used by the Lord. Dr. Liz Insignia is the Executive Director Treasurer for Kentucky WMU. Liz, welcome to Leadership Lessons. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What an opportunity. Well, it's great for us. You have a lot going on in your life right now. You just bought a house, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> are, are you are you fairly excited or nervous right now, or where, where are you on that? I, I think I'm on the excited side. I'm trying to get in. I think there was some moments where I was unloading some things in the house yesterday, and I thought, you know, if something breaks, I have to fix it now. <laughs> you know, there's no right. maintenance protocol. Um, and so, yeah, but there's a mixture in there, but I'm excited. Homeownership has a lot of benefits, also has some some challenges. So Liz grew up in the great state of Texas, right? Yes, sir. She is a PK, a PK. her dad was a, is a pastor. And Liz is a graduate from Dallas Baptist University. And then more recently, a doctorate of strategic leadership from Regent University, right? Yes, sir. Well, congratulations, Liz. That's a huge yes. accomplishment and a wide variety of ministry experience. Liz served as a student assistant while she was a student at Dallas Baptist University. She's been a ministry assistant for the Baptist General Convention of Texas and then uh, moved into a position missional lifestyle strategist also yes. for the Women's Missionary Union of Texas and then currently in this role as executive director treasurer for Kentucky WMU. So, Liz, uh, congratulations on all of that. Thank you for answering God's call, moving to Kentucky and making this your home. I have to ask, Texas residents have the highest level of state pride of anybody <laughs> in America. Is that true for you as well? I would say so. Um, I would say so. I try to temper it a little bit, yeah. um, living thank, out of thank, state. Thank you, by the way, for tempering it. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> yes. No, it, it's. You know, it's just driven in us since we're little ones. So, yes, I am very prideful from where I come from. And yet I know um, how to temper it down for occasions that I needed to. <laughs> well, thank you for the, the, the backstory there, because I, I pastored a military church for 11 years and a number of the soldiers at Fort Campbell were from Texas. And it was just obvious that these people mm -hmm. love their state. And so I asked, why is that? And one of them told me that where he grew up, they had Texas history taught in school every single year of his mm -hmm. 12 years of education. He, he was learning Texas yeah. history. Liz, I don't think I even had an hour of Kentucky history in, wow. in my entire high school education and also attending a, a college. So they no <laughs> doubt drilled it into you and it has no doubt made, made, a, made, a, made an impact. We're, we're grateful for yeah. God leading you here to Kentucky. So let's ask some questions. Mm -hmm. You are in a leadership position. You're executive director treasurer for the Kentucky WMU. You're leading this organization that the Lord has called you to. You have a, a staff, a team that you're given leadership to. Tell us about your journey into leadership and your journey into WMU. How did you end up where, where you are right now? Wow. So, you know, I think it started, you know, as a kid, you know, being a pastor's kid, um, we had the privilege and opportunity to attend all the trainings that my parents went to um, through the association and through the convention. So early on, um, I mean, and in our church, I was helping with VBS. I was teaching class, you know, as a preteen, and, and you're just thrown into that. So I think my love for um, leadership began at an early age, you know, throughout high school, I was either on um, camp student leadership teams um, for my region. Um, I was um, a uh, GA leader for the association as a GA I was like a student a, a child leader I guess you could say um, and then all throughout so my senior year in high school um, uh, Texas Baptist has an event called Congreso which is a Hispanic youth and singles conference 
my senior year in high school, I was voted as an officer on their student leadership team. So this is kind of where that next step of leadership came about. Um, this was through the convention. So I served um, as a volunteer there all throughout my college years. I volunteered at the convention level. So I learned from so many different convention leaders. Um, I had mentors who would um, give additional opportunities to engage. And so there were so many different things that kind of led me to where I am now, whether it was um, student missions experiences to um, uh, being an officer and planning a statewide um, youth event like this, uh, where there was about you know, four to 6,000 students, Hispanic students across Texas who would come and be a part of that. Um, I was on leadership for Hispanic singles camp. So um, that was another statewide camp um, for young adults and being a part of that. And, you know, even in my, I think it was between my sophomore and junior year of college, I got this crazy idea to, uh, develop a girl Hispanic girls ministry and we toured around the state you know I had a, a team of uh, young women who were at college with me we were all grown-up GAs so we uh, led this conference and we had a, an, a sister we call her an hermana in the Hispanic world an hermana she drove us around Texas to lead these little conferences for um teenage girls and yeah. it was such a blast and so you know through that um continued working with con the convention i was volunteering when i uh, graduated with my bachelor's i began to work there at the convention um and then uh opportunity came about at wmu well as a, G a ga a lifelong ga I was like, wow, you know, I know what that's about. <laughs> you know, it's in my blood. My mother was in it. My grandmother was in it. And then, um, you know, and I started really from the ground up as a ministry assistant. The Lord provided an opportunity for, to be program staff and involved with, again, children, youth and students, young adults. And um, and the Lord continued to open doors there. Um, and now I am an executive director, I had no idea this is, you know, uh, a road the Lord would have put me on, but praise God that he had a better plan than I have ever had for my life. Liz, so. who, who is someone who identified leadership giftings or abilities in your, in your life and said, you know, Liz, you need to consider leadership or, or they talked to you about that. And was that affirming or helpful for, for you? Yes, um, I can think back at Dr. Gus Reyes um, and his parents, Gloria and Gus Reyes, were actually MSC missionaries here in Kentucky. Okay. Um, so Dr. Reyes was just so influential in my life. Um, he was the director of Congreso when I came in as a senior in high school. So he knows that 18, 19 year old Liz and and yet uh, he saw that that gifting and, and continued to push me and encourage me. And um, there were days where that encouragement and those challenges were not very fun. Yeah. <laughs> but there were also days where he said, you have it in you to lead um, at the next level, to engage the church, to um, equip these uh, young um, women and, and to do more. So take the step. So he was huge. His, his, um, him and his wife, uh, Leticia Reyes, um, they were just such great people. They continue to be. They continue to pour into my life as mentors and um you know, I just really value them. Liz, I'm guessing that when when uh, Gus Reyes said that to you, that you were hearing more than Gus's voice, that you were actually mm -hmm. hearing the, the spirit of God speak to your heart and affirming yes. something that God had put in you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the power. That's I mean, that could be the power of our words. When we when we Absolutely. when we see something God is doing in someone's life and affirm it, it can be very, very impactful. So mm -hmm. your your dad was a pastor and, and Liz folks in Kentucky know that your dad you're very close to and it's just recently passed. Mm -hmm. And 
we've prayed for you and your family and we're we're sorry for this great loss we know it's still very very recent your dad was a great influence in your life as well so how has your family influenced your calling and then how you just do your job today what impact did your your upbringing have on you yeah i i think you know growing up in a pastor's home the um we very much learned the role of the Christ follower within the church. You know, you are active, you know, you are leading, you know, there is no backseat pew sitting uh, type of thing. You are, you're doing it, you know, you are in the work, you're going out, you're leading the way, you know, I think um, something that my mom taught me, I remember there were some days where, you know, in a small church, in a small community, small church, there weren't a lot of children. And sometimes she only had me in Sunday school class. And so what was encouraging was that just because it was me, it, you know, she didn't stop and say, oh, well, it's just Liz, you know, we'll just go, you know, go play in the nursery or go whatever. She sat down and had Sunday school with me, That's cool. you know, and so that was one of those things that I took away. It doesn't matter, you know, the the quantity of, of pupils you have or, you know, the church members you have, you're still there. Yeah. You know, we uh, we may have only had you know, five to 10 people on a Wednesday night, but my dad was there preaching. And so he just instilled that in us um, with my brother and myself. And um, we just know that that's, that's part of what you do. Our focus, yes, is a great commission, um, but no matter your age, you know, I was young and I was still serving in roles, you know, at the church. Um, but no matter your age, no matter your gifting, you know, it was you put everything on the table that you can serve um, so that as a church body, you know, as an, and as a family, we could complete, help complete the Great Commission together, you know. And, you know, something that not everyone knows, Dr. Gray, is that the Sunday after my dad passed, we were at the church my brother was leading worship as a worship pastor and my mom was helping on the praise team and you know the sunday after because we knew that's exactly what my dad would have wanted for us and right where you needed to be liz and and what a testimony for the, the the church to see nobody would have minded had your family taken a sunday off to experience their personal grief but but mm-hmm. you clearly felt that that was the best place for your your family well i'm yeah. i'm glad to hear of your dad's influence having two daughters of, of my own i, yeah. I want to be the best dad i could be so give me a couple of tips so young grown-up daughters it was one thing to to be a dad to them when they were two three four and five but now they're 21 <laughs> and 20 24. any tips for me on parenting young adults <laughs> uh maybe giving a little grace, <laughs> no. uh, you know, it's, my, my it's interesting dad. You say I, that. Liz, it's interesting you say that. I, I don't want to overtalk, but I, I have to. It's it, you, but so I prayed about that recently and I felt like the Lord gave me this acrostic DAD, how to, how to be a dad to your older daughters. <laughs> and the, the first D stands for don't make everything an issue. <laughs> don't, don't make everything a big deal. Don't feel like you have to correct every, everything. No one, no other adult would like that. And your children aren't going to, are going to enjoy it either. Yeah. And, you know, and my dad and I, we had, um, we had personalities that were challenging. Let's just say that. <laughs> so there was a, you know, you have a, a independent daughter who likes to speak her mind and, you know, how godly fathers want to lead their daughters. <laughs> sure. So, sure. Um, so there was, you know, we had lots of great conversations, but really just um sharing uh you know his heart with me like this is why i'm sharing this with you you know give me reasonings and i was always that why kid you know well why should i do that or whatever um but you know and then back it up something that i didn't as enjoy as a teenager as much as i did now in my adulthood was him just speaking truth over me speaking scripture and saying you know as you um wait on the lord you know uh, when we were when i was finishing up my doctorate that was one of the things that he um encouraged me he was like it's gonna come he was like 
wait on the Lord, be patient in him. And, um, and so it, it was just such great words and, um, that he would do. And that, that's the one key thing that I just, as any dads out there, you're leading, you know, your daughters, man, just, uh, speak scripture over them, you know, pray for them, speak scripture over them. Um, you know, depending on how old they are, they might not appreciate it at that time, but as an older, um, I guess, young woman, now I think back and, ah, those are just such sweet moments that I had with my dad, just when he would pour in and really confirm what the Lord was doing in my life. So, you know, your dad's home, home in glory now with, with the Lord, he's experiencing what we're not experiencing right now, Mm -hmm. but as a dad, so my oldest daughter and I ride bikes together. My youngest daughter and I, we talk on the phone frequently. And last Mm -hmm. week we rode bikes for an hour. 40 minutes of that hour ride was a theological conversation about some of the larger mm-hmm. issues in our, our yeah. culture. We don't see eye to eye on all of them, but we're able just <laughs> to talk openly and honestly. And, and I value that. So I know your dad is mm-hmm. certainly proud of you and, and, and glad to speak into your life. Well, you yeah. mentioned your doctorate. So you're, uh-huh. you're not just Liz and Senior now, you're Dr. Liz and Senior. You yeah. just graduated yeah. from Regent University with a doctorate mm-hmm. in strategic leadership. And Liz, you did an interesting thing. You put up you had a, a picture of a cup or something out on Facebook and, and <laughs> yes. tell us about that cup. What, what did it say? Well, um, it had all of the um, prefixes you would have if you were single, married, uh, maybe widowed kind of thing. And then at the right. bottom it has doctor. Well, as a single woman, you know, I'm no longer Miss Liz and Senior. I'm Doctor. So it kind of scratched out all the other oh, ones. It has Doctor Liz and Senior. So. And I understand you're actually getting a collection of those cups. Folks are giving up. I know. <laughs> Who knew? I got the the mug and a kind of thermal kind of thing um, on the same day, which was very surprising. But it was such a sweet a uh, gift. Well, well, Connie, uh, my wife Connie saw it, and so we're adding to your we're adding to your <laughs> collection. Here's at least a third one to to add to your mix. And as you said, the the miss, the miss and the missus is scratched out with Dr. Liz and senior. Congratulations on your degree. And and I'll see that this tip gets down to your down to your office at some point. So uh, back to the degree itself. And that's hard work. A doctorate is hard work Mm -hmm. and a doctorate in strategic leadership is hard work. Why did you want to pursue that degree and, and the strategic leadership in particular? Mm-hmm. Well, I think in, in ministry and in my leadership roles, I have always been um, on the lookout for the things that need to be fixed. You know, how can we streamline this? How can we um, address this issue so that we can do better next time? And and I've always had that tendency, whether I was serving um, as a youth group leader, as, you know, as ministry assistant, wherever I was, and so when I was looking for a doctorate, you know, my master's is in Christian education. Um, when I was looking at the doctorate, I wanted something that could be able to help me analyze, even in our ministries, is, is there something off? What's not clicking right so that we can help improve that and and better our organizations and things and working within um, WMU as an organization, there were certain things, whether it was internally or externally, that I felt like, you know, we're missing the mark here. If we did this, then it might help better and build relationships in this area and that area. And so as I looked for doctorates, you know, there was um, just regular doctorates in leadership or PhDs in leadership. There's your regular doctorate of ministry. Um, there's other, you know, uh, resources out there, but nothing that really addressed troubleshooting, um, strategic planning, forecasting, um, globalization in the wor- workplace. How does that impact? And so as I looked around um, for uh, programming, this one just jumped out to me. It was exactly what I was looking for, you know? Um, And so 
it was through Regent University and they are a Christian institution. And so there is some of that faith and learning um, together. And so that was even more um, of a just a, a sweet spot for me because I would be able to use ministry focus and um, faith background with this degree. Um, and so I just uh, that's what really drew me. Are you glad you did it? it? Yes. Yeah. So what, what was a, maybe one or two uh, or at least one big takeaway from that time? How, how has that degree and the process of study, how has it impacted what you're doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, in light of WMU's current situation, you know, as I think about, you know, where we now, you know, we have a rich history, but how does that impact ministry in today's, um, you know, 21st century church, you know, and how can we move forward holding on to the values, holding on to um, what we know is the mission of the organization but when we look forward and we know that number one churches are doing things differently Mm -hmm. you know um our when you think of customer base you know those who order curriculum and things like that when i look at those things it does have an impact and so we can use different tools whether it's things like a SWOT analysis which mm-hmm. you might be uh, familiar with or a strat analysis it looks at forecasting for organizations and we look through all of those um uh, tools to really analyze and look at the systems within an organization and right now when as i'm you know, coming into a a new role as executive director, it's helped me analyze where are we as an organization? Are we being effective um, as we are now or where can we improve? And so those are some um, things that it has really helped me on. And I know my staff are tired or they're glad, I guess, that I'm done because I would give them so many surveys to fill out, (laughs) (laughs) to learn and so that I can understand more about us, so. Liz, I, I pastored for 20 years, three different churches. I've been with KBC now for going on, on nine years. And, you know, as an outsider to an organization, you see things with fresh eyes and mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's me pastoring a church or my role with, with the convention. And when you start to talk about maybe, maybe we can improve this a little bit or do this a little different, sometimes that's well-received and sometimes it's not well-received. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it it feels like maybe you're saying, hey, uh, you know, have, have we not done a good job in the past? Is that what you're mm-hmm. saying here? And of course, that's not the intention. How do you mm-hmm. how do you help folks accept that? Hey, let's let's take the good that's been done and let's let's even build on that and improve it. How do you how do you get that across without unintentionally and even unnecessarily offending and building up barriers to improving services? Yeah, well, you know, that's a very good question. And when we look at you know, what is good? Okay, let's look at those pieces. How can we strengthen them? You know, um, and what are areas that um, are hurting the ministry? You know, if you're, if you have, um, let's just say a newsletter that, you know, goes out from the church, you know, but it's not reaching the people that it needs to reach and it's not um, doing what it's supposed to do. And yet the church is spending X amount of dollars sending out that one newsletter, you know, but we say, you know what, but your social media presence has grown. Mm -hmm. So how can we leverage this piece here Yes, we need to continue um, engaging maybe those who don't have, you know, um, access to social media, maybe some print media kind of things. But just to say, we want to be able to maximize um, your presence in the community. So where where can we put a little more attention to not neglecting the other, but where we can strengthen it, where we can um, see the opportunity, you know, and sometimes when you look at uh, social media, you know, there's a different demographic who uses it. So you're reaching a different kind of demographic. So kind of looking at those things together, um, you know, and, and it's hard to say, this is not gonna be discouraging because I think there, has, there is a hit 
there is a hit of we've been missing our mark but at the same time it's looking at it and saying okay we've been missing our mark but how can we get there mm -hmm. let's let that be an opportunity to say okay what do we need to do if we want to reach this demographic then what do we need to do internally to shift so that they can um, connect with us and we can connect with them. So it, it it's becomes more of an opportunity to look at it. So value, valuing the past, valuing those contributions that have come from a good place and maybe we were even very, very effective at, at, at some point. But then also mm -hmm. let's let's now talk about where we are today and, and how to how to get where we want to go. Well, it's a yeah. it's a constant challenge and you know yes, a leader's yes. intention is never to discourage people but uh, appreciate you saying sometimes there is a hit that comes and that just feels like grief and pain but for me once yeah. i'm over it it's like okay let's move forward and what are we gonna yeah. what, what are we gonna gonna do so liz you um there's so much i want to ask you but i, I don't want to get i don't want to miss out on the most important question so let's let's touch about wmu you're okay. you mentioned ga which i i know what ga means pastoring a church <laughs> at a strong wmu at one time others may or may not so help our leaders understand WMU a little bit better. Some some are who mm -hmm. have a good background. Explain mm -hmm. to us what is WMU and then the difference between a local WMU group, a state, and a, a na the national WMU. Yeah. So uh, WMU in general, we are basically that cheerleading arm of our Southern Baptist Convention. You know, um, in our local convention churches as well. Um, WMU started as being that fundraiser. Um, when Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong were talking, you know, and writing letters back and forth, there is an obvious need that that um, we needed more missionaries and we needed funding to support those missionaries. Yeah. And so out birthed this really a movement at the time of WMU, of women in our Southern Baptist churches, churches saying, we need to give. You know, and so this is what started that so many years ago. And now we have um, today's organizations. Um, you have your national organization, which they have um, a, a a role that produces a curriculum. They uh, uh, develop um, and maintain those relationships with our um, SBC partners like the International Mission Board, North American Mission Board. And so they uh, work closely um, with those entities to um, produce this missions education curriculum and, and other areas um, of ministry like leadership development um, and do uh working with ministries like fair trade um for instance in the compassion ministries uh, department of national wmu there is a ministry called world crafts which is fair trade uh, uh products they work with fair trade artisans around the world something that people don't know is that those artisans are connected to southern baptist missionaries overseas and so not only are they uh, making these products, but they're also being fed spiritually. They're being um, shared the gospel. They are um, coming to know the Lord. And so that is a great um, opportunity from that level to be a part of it. So National WMU, they kind of, uh, in many ways, they are a, their relationship to us is very much like the way SBC has a relationship to WMU. They're auxiliaries, they're partners mm -hmm. with SBC. Um, and so they direct, um, in many ways, a lot of our work in um, the way that they uh, uh, they develop our focuses for the year and um, the emphasis that we usually do our watchword for the year that it's kind of like a theme that we right. live by that year. And so as the state level, we carry out some of those things um, in our meetings or in our local churches. As the state, we give those resources to our churches. So we become uh, 
resource givers, I guess you could say. You know, we want to help our churches um, engage. And so if we have a resource, a tool, let's say it is um, you want your church to understand refugee ministry, things like that. WMU has, National WMU has worked closely with the IMB to develop some resources and they have a resource that a local church can use. So as a state WMU, we also provide opportunities for our churches to learn about refugee ministry. We use that tool and then that tool we say, okay, the local church can use it too. So we are um, really, I've always thought of us as networkers. You know, we want to network you with resources. You know, you need, if you need, your church needs to um, develop some uh, or train people before they go on mission trips, there's a resource for that. You know, um, if you want to help your women know what the week of prayers are, then we have resources for that. So um, at the state level, we resource our churches, but we also provide opportunities for people to engage. So if you think of things like uh, Kentucky Changers, um, Adult Changers, um, uh, our children's events, those are areas and events where people can actively get involved in missions um, right where they are. And so, that is something that we do at the state level at the local level in your local churches those wmuers are those champions for missions those champions for missions efforts you know they they're putting up prayer walls they're making sure people know about the week of prayer they're making sure that if their students are going on a mission trip you know they're helping them you know fundraise they're you know they're they might be baking goods so that they help their students go and um, and at the uh, when you look at um, even students who are involved, you know, you said, I know what GA is girls in action. That is a you know, your girls ministry within your church, you know, from first through sixth grade girls, they are girls who are learning about missions and want to be an active part in the Great Commission at their age level. And they're doing it. You know, they are out there. They're sharing um, the good news at their level. And so when you um, think about the different aspects of it, um, we are all connected by the mission and the values of the organization mm-hmm. and yet we're autonomous just like the convention is with all our right. churches um and and yet we serve in tandem with each other so liz if if someone wanted to know more about fair trade you really picked my interest with with, with mm-hmm. that one that's a that sounds like an exciting opportunity that it's helping folks in their in their place of origin to probably yes. develop a business of some sort and uh, the, mm-hmm. the word fair trade would indicate the ethical way that you're doing it. How would mm-hmm. someone find out more about fair trade? Yes, through WMU. They can call our office at Kentucky WMU. We can help them with a few um, resources about that. If they want, if they know of an artisan group that's overseas mm-hmm. and they want them to be connected or things like that with a SBC missionary, what we would do is we'd connect them with national WMU yeah. and that's where the uh, the department for um, Worldcrafts is out of and we can connect them that way. But at your local church, let's say your women's ministry, um, they wanted to learn more about for your trade. We would bring some of the products there to your church that's cool. and we would have a party with you. Yeah, that's you cool. know, we would talk about the products. We would have a party um, and just have a great time. Well, and and some some of our pastors may have heard you mention a strat as an analysis, an mm-hmm. analytical tool. If they want to know more about strat, so what's what's the general WMU email? If someone wanted to reach out, said Liz, you mentioned uh, strat, and like to know more. What, how would they email you? Yes, they can email us at kywmu at kybaptist.org. Okay, great. So in Kentucky, with our WMU in our state, we collect an offering called the Eliza Broadus Offering. So who is Eliza Broadus? Liz, I should have asked, you know, we use these acronyms to throw these terms around. What does WMU Mm -hmm. stand for? 
Women's Missionary Union. All right. And mm -hmm. uh, so Eliza brought us. Who is Eliza brought us and why do we collect this offering? Mm -hmm. So you may have heard the name brought us before if you um, to all our seminarians out there. Um, John brought us Dr. brought us. Um, he was a president of Southern Seminary, you know, for many years. Right. So Eliza is his daughter. And so in her ministry, as she was um, really being uh developed really in leadership by him you know she looked to her dad um, very closely um eliza started um working with wmu as the leaders like i said when lottie moon and annie armstrong started talking and trying to get some traction um eliza was already well known amongst women in southern baptist life and so she was one of those ones that they said we need to get her involved you know, um, and so she was huge in WMU for educating women. She was a huge proponent that uh, our seminary should educate women for missions because at the time only men were being educated to go on the mission field. And so she was a huge part of that. In fact, she helped start the WMU training school, which was right here in Louisville. Wow. And so that was a huge part of WMU history that she did that. She was just um, adamant that our, the women needed to be trained before they went to the mission field. And so she really led the way in that, um, um, educating people so that they could be on mission, so that they could have the tools that they needed. So when we think of the Eliza brought us offering, you know, um, we look it was named after her of course because she was such an influence for wmu um, and she led kentucky wmu for many years um, but she also helped at the national level at several different times um, but then here as well and so when we think of her life this is why this offering the state missions offering um, named it after her is because she was huge in engaging people to be on mission for the lord and so um through the eliza brought us offering whether it's through the funds um, and the monies that go through the convention or through our associations or through the uh, local ministries that are out there every piece of those is either to equip people to be on mission and that happens a lot through the convention um in the in the associations they're providing opportunities for their for churches to be on mission and then these special ministries they are kind of those boots on the ground this is when when you give to eliza Bradas, you might be helping a pregnancy center yep. where people are coming to get abortions and they're here um saying no there is a different way you know and so they provide a different um perspective um for those um those uh, those new moms or young moms and so it's a different um kind of ministry that uh really isn't an, an answer to <laughs> to the other and so um when you give you're giving there you know and so when you think about it if you are giving at a church in paducah you might be helping a a a church or a ministry in East Kentucky. Well, for instance, and, Pike, Pikeville, you mentioned the, the exactly. uh, crisis, pregnancy crisis center mm -hmm. and Kentucky Baptist. Some, some wouldn't know that we're connected to about 50 or 52 um, yes. crisis pregnancy centers across the state. Sometimes Southern Baptists mm -hmm. are challenged that you, you all only care about life in the, in the womb, which by the way, we should, we obviously do care about life in the, yeah. in the womb. Um, but they may not be aware that we're providing an incredible, all kinds of help outside as, as well for that young mother who's really struggling, Absolutely. that expectant mother who doesn't know what to do. Um, mm -hmm. Kentucky Baptists are, are deeply committed to providing help for, for her and EBO is part of that. Yes. And so that is just the idea um, behind the state missions offering. Really, um, when you participate in it, much like cooperative program, but when you participate in it, it's representative missions, right? When you give, um, your monies are going further 
than probably you are going. Um, Eliza brought us state missions offering is for work here in Kentucky. You know, when we think of church planning that's happening here in Kentucky, Eliza brought us offering monies go to help start and plant those churches. You know, when you think of uh, ministries like the International Student Conference we have through the convention, um, Eliza brought us offering monies helps to put that on for those students. You know, when we think of Kentucky changers, yeah. <laughs> Eliza brought us money helps to buy the equipment, you know, all the lumber, you know, uh, resources for those associations so that we can do the work together. And so it just provides those opportunities and something that our churches don't really know. We only have a few churches who apply. If you're a church that has a, a evangelistic, I'm sorry, I said that wrong, evangelistic or missions um, focused ministry, like if you have a food pantry that comes out of your church or a clothing ministry or something and you need resources, you as a church can apply to the Eliza Broadus offering so, so that you reach can out get to Kentucky WMU. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Liz, those are those are great. And I love your phrase, representative missions. We had a missionary from Russia one time that spoke to us as seminary students. And he said, when he said, when I go to Russia, he said, I don't go for you, but because of the cooperative program, you go with me on, yes. on the mission field. And that was so helpful to me to understand our cooperative way of doing ministry. Mm -hmm. It's representative missions. Let's talk yeah. about leadership and you as a leader. So part of leadership development is self-discovery. That and and you know leadership is is fun to think about from reading a book and in a classroom, but you're actually when you're actually doing it, it just doesn't feel quite the quite the same. <laughs> no. and, uh, so w what's what's something that you've discovered about yourself as a leader in the just in in a leadership position? Honestly, my plans don't matter. <laughs> okay. I can plan up and down, but. You know, the Lord always and quickly reminds me that it's really his plan that will oversee, you know, anything that I do. And so uh, for me, you know, it, it's funny that I choose a, <coughs> excuse me, a program that has strategic planning and strategic leadership. Um, and yet I know that anything that I come across, um, that the Lord will always uh you know he might change things on me and so there's thing i have learned flexibility <laughs> really well well that's important so proverbs we'll see if the reference comes up here it's probably not going to on my phone but um the mind of man plans his ways the lord directs his steps that's apparently a, a good leadership verse to to keep in mind so liz there was a disciple making leader named waylon moore who is still alive, lives in Tampa, Florida. He would say every Christian needs three people in their life, and they all start with a P. And we all need a pupil, someone that we're bringing along and discipling. We all need a partner, someone who is running the race with us to keep us encouraged, and we encourage them. But we also need pace setters, people who have gone further than we have, who are living the Christian life in ways that we hope to. Who are a couple of leaders that you have you've observed their life and you've seen a leadership principle that they emulate or represent. So if you would tell us the tell us the leadership principle and then tell us the leader that you saw it in their life. I would say <clears throat> the relationship principle would be or actually leadership principle would be relationship building. Okay. And I saw this <clears throat> through the life of Sandy Wisdom Martin when okay. she was executive director in texas um you know <clears throat> excuse me as a kind of graduate student trying to finishing up work there at um at dbu she came in and i saw a different way of leadership from her <clears throat> she was pretty much calm and collected all the time, but she was intentional about building relationships with other leaders within the convention. <clears throat> and that's something that I had not seen um, in a long time, but she, when I would ask her about it, 
<clears throat> Excuse me. It's okay. <coughs> if I need to filibuster, just let me know. And it, it's it's awful yeah. to be kind of strangled when you're trying to talk, and it's like no no <laughs> one can experience that. The, it's hard for me to talk right now. If, <clears throat> yeah. If I need to, well, I if, I need, if I need to quote the Baptist faith and message or <laughs> a poem or something no, like I that, just. <laughs> Go ahead. No, <clears throat> I think with packing and everything, it's moving some dust around. So, sure. okay. Okay. I'm good. Um, no, I saw this, um, just personality in her that, um, when I questioned her about it once, um, I said, why, what is it about that? Like you, you will, you'll come up to a leader and say, you know, we'll help you with this, this, and this, um, and we don't want anything back in return, you know, and and that was different for me. Sure. I thought, well, what do you mean? Like, shouldn't they <clears throat> give us five minutes to speak on their platform? Shouldn't they put our logo on things? Shouldn't they? And she was like, yeah, that doesn't matter. <laughs> and I was like, huh. But I saw <laughs> how I saw how those relationships um, as they grew, it opened more doors. Yeah. And I thought, wow, you know, and as I, you know, she promoted me in at work <clears throat> to a program staff role. And so I began to do that, you know, as we started working with convention leaders and others who were involved in student ministry, children's ministry, you know, um, I just followed that example. And I was blown away by how our ministry partners would become willing to partner together with that approach. And I just thought, wow, you know, I, I've never seen this. And so it, it was just a different kind of leadership. Uh, and she still has that today. Sure. You know, as we look at what she's doing at National WMU and um, it's just it's amazing to see um, what that is and and a lot of it has to do with the fact that she's just so humble yeah. you know I've learned that from her as well but relationship building for me was key um, and I saw that in her relationships and I want to emulate that as much as possible this Paul, Paul said first Corinthians 11 verse 1 be ye imitators of me as I am, uh, am of Christ or depending on your translation follow me as I follow Jesus and and when you see when you see a a trait like you're describing being lived out in someone's life you're indelibly marked forever by, by what you saw you, you know you're just describing Proverbs 11:25 where it says the liberal soul shall be made fat and he that waters shall be watered also himself those mm -hmm. that give their stuff away God will see to it that you have plenty to give away mm -hmm. the Lord just keeps putting it back those of us that try to selfishly hang on we tend to we tend to have a lack in in, in our, our lives I appreciate hearing that about Sandy so Liz what is a poor leadership trait that you've seen and don't tell us where you saw it or who you saw it in <laughs> but something that you would not want to emulate so sometimes you know the best examples are, are when we see what not to do in someone in someone mm -hmm. else's life mm -hmm. I think um, uh, when you're wanting to engage the next generation in leadership you're wanting to bring someone up and have them lead so for instance um uh having a millennial take a leadership role you know or someone in their 20s but then micromanaging everything that they do and not really letting them lead yeah. and and then when it doesn't turn out the way that you want it to turn out, then they those people are reprimanded, but then they're also told, oh, well, you're not the, the, the leader I thought you were. Yeah. And so they weren't really set up for success. Sure. And yet they were criticized the whole way through. So maybe instead of micromanaging some good boundaries up front that that kind of cast the vision you carried out according to your own flavor. But these are some things that we're that we're looking that we're looking for. I read this from Jimmy Draper has written a book. I think it's called Don't Quit Until You Finish or something like that. But if they look up if someone looks up Jimmy Draper and maybe don't quit till you're finished. But he had the best advice on when someone makes a mistake and you're describing that a little bit. Yeah. That when someone made a big mistake and he described a couple in his time at Lifeway Leadership 
that that he, he would say um, to a person who made a mistake, did you did you mean to do that? And of course, they're like, well, no, I didn't mean to do it. And then he would say, are you going to do it again? And they would say, well, of course, I'm not going to do it again. And he'd say, well, good, let's 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 move on. Now, that is so helpful. And I've, I've not always handled it the right way when someone's made a mistake. It hasn't always been handled with me either, but yeah. that's that's such good, good advice and good wisdom. So, Liz, God uses adversity to shape us to sanctify us for one thing, mm -hmm. but also to shape us for leadership. It seems like the Lord puts us in a position that we're just not quite ready to carry out. And then mm -hmm. he, and, and that requires us to depend on him yes. in full dependence and leaning in, into him. And then he uses adversity to shape us as leaders. So how has adversity been used in your life by the Lord to shape you as a leader? Mm -hmm. Well, I think being fully dependent on him is huge. Yeah. You know, um, as I as personality wise tend to be very self-reliant. So, um, you know, he has not just in this Kentucky role, but in other roles as well. I've been um, kind of thrown into leadership positions, not really knowing what that role required and things of that nature. But he has always um equipped me where I needed it and opened doors where I needed them and 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 he just guided me the whole way through you know I think there have been other times in my life where I've tried to direct again my own path mm -hmm. and and there was hurt there there was a discouragement there and and yet when he kind of got me back on the path he wanted me on and then I saw where things would fall into place um, a little differently. Yes, there was challenges because of the hurt, because of the adversity, but the Lord always made a way, you know. And, and when I think about um, just uh, kind of life growing up and when I think about the challenges that shaped me, you know, I think about my educational um, upbringing as well. You know, I've just finished a doctorate, but when I was in undergrad, my first couple of years, I, I didn't do so well in school. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was away, I was five hours away from home. You know, it was my first time leaving town. You know, I was put on academic probation. <laughs> and, same and, here. Same, same. Um, this is a safe place then no <laughs> you know it was one of those things where even through all of that he kept pushing me and, and i might hit a wall here and yet he kept pushing me and i might hit another wall here and it kept pushing me and you know when i uh, was work uh, started working at wme of texas they, they were going through a lot of stuff um at that time and i thought lord why would you bring me here? <laughs> you know, why would you open up this opportunity? And, and you know, after different situations led to different things. And um, something that I kind of joke around with, with WMU leaders and all my WMU people have heard it here. So I feel like I can share it. But I've tried to quit from WMU at least five times. Sure. <laughs> and he has always kept me working in WMU. And you know but i have really learned to one that that he has the plan for my life and i just need to be obedient to that plan so i learned that probably midway through but i'm still kind of learning it um and the verse that comes to mind is you know when uh when Ruth is talking to Naomi and she said, you know, where you go, I will go. Right. And and that was very huge for me um, as I began to think about um, even coming to Kentucky. I was like, OK, Lord, I'm just I'm going to abandon mm -hmm. my desires, my wants, you know, my state. Uh, and I'm going to go where you want me to go. Yeah. You know, and, and I've just kind of saw, uh, I've seen his leadership, his guidance all throughout my life, no matter what I faced, you know, and, and it always came back to my plan is better than yours, Liz. <laughs> just, 
lean into me and, and just be obedient. That's what I require of you, obedience. And so that's what I learned <laughs> over Liz, these past few years. You're you're describing the I mean, just the nature of the Christian life is that is one of mm-hmm. one of surrender. Liz, when I'm living in my leadership challenges, it feels like I'm drowning and feels like I'm dying. When I look mm-hmm. back on 29, 30 years of Christian ministry leadership, what I really mm-hmm. see is that it's just a walking on water experience. Yes. That God calls us out of the boat to walk on water and we can't walk yeah. on water. We're just we're not able to which has us constantly doing what Peter did, crying out to Jesus, Lord, save me and Mm -hmm. and help me here. And when we do, he does. He shows up every single time and is faithful. All right. In one minute, describe uh, two or three traits of great team members. You've been on several teams. You've worked around Mm -hmm. team, various team members. What are two or three of the best traits? Just give the one or two word answer. Mm -hmm. Um, They want to be a team player. Okay. You know, um, and that, that's not meaning that they're going to agree to everything, but that they are going to be able to speak to the issue and say, how can we do this together? So that is a huge one for me. Just willingness. You know, you might not have um, the skills just yet. You might have trouble with some change, but as long as you're willing and you have the heart um, to be a part of it, you know, there's something that is said for that. You know, you have that learning spirit. I have a teachable spirit. If you have that, you're gold. Yeah. You know, um, and really I would say those are the two huge things for me. You know, teachable spirit and um you're a team player. Yeah, you're willing you're willing to try and you're willing mm-hmm. to work with your work with your team and find your part on the on the team. Super, super and encouraging. And willing to make mistakes. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. And that's important. You know, my wife, whenever Connie's interviewed for various jobs, she always makes a point that, you know, I'm going to make mistakes. Tell me how you're going to handle that when I make a mistake, because she she views she's going to learn from that mistake and not do mm-hmm. the same one, hopefully again. And that's mm-hmm. that's important to be in that kind of a culture. Liz, and, and, and give us your elevator speech, your 30 second answer. Uh, what is your dream and vision for Kentucky WMU? Yes, well, Through Kentucky WMU, I want to see all churches engaged in missions in one form or fashion. You know, you uh, if you're a traditional church that has your missions groups like Women on Mission, um, GA, whatever you have, let's encourage those to be as strong as they can be, that they're making disciples who can go out and share the gospel with others. And um, and if you're a church who would love to just give and pour out through the week of prayer offerings and awesome. Let's do it. Um, and so uh, that's where I see um, Kentucky WMU just resourcing our churches wherever you are. It might not look the same, but we can come together and from all different facets um, of ministry, help fulfill the Great Commission in our communities, in in our in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I can see um, that we can do that together. You know um, that there wouldn't be a uh, a problem with anyone not hearing the gospel um, because we would all be equipped from that youngest child to the oldest person in your church to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Liz, we're, we're glad you're in Kentucky. Thank you for taking the time to join on Leadership Lessons. I was at a disaster relief work site yesterday in Clay yes. City, and the uh, Kentucky WMU vice president was one of the yes. DR I- volunteers mm-hmm. and we were talking about you and we talked about you having bought a home and and she said yes we're so glad she bought a home we believe she's <laughs> going to stay put so they, they <laughs> yes. they're glad you're here and they they want you they want you here how can kentucky baptist pray for you as we wrap up our time mm-hmm. uh well pray for my move you know as right. i get closer to moving um and that uh i would build a community in my new community um and um you know, be bold and courageous to share the gospel where I am. Um, and so that was that's my huge prayer request right now that you All would right. pray for community. I'm going to pray for you. Let's let's pray together. Okay. 
Father God, thank you for Liz. Thank you for your work in her life. Thank you for her family, dear God. Thank you for her dad that just poured into her. Thank you, dear Lord, for she mentioned Gus Reyes, dear Lord, and his recognizing leadership gifting in her life. Thank you, Lord, for Sandy Wisdom, who's modeled for, for her the, just the value of giving away all that's been given to us for your glory. Lord, please mm -hmm. help Liz as she continues to adjust to this new state. Please comfort her family in the passing of yes. her dad and please minister to them. And Lord, please yes. help her now as she moves into this new home. We thank you for yes. her new home. We pray she'll she'll feel at home there. We pray she'll meet neighbors and that you'd make her a, a, a bold gospel mm -hmm. witness for Christ. Uh, please give her every desire that you put on her heart and we pray this together yes. in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Liz, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Leadership Lessons. This program is made possible by the generous contributions by Kentucky Baptist through the cooperative program. For more information about the Kentucky Baptist Convention, go to kybaptist.org. And for news about how Kentucky Baptist churches are making a difference, go to kentuckytoday.com.